Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Russell Wortham Show. My name is Russell Wortham coming to you live from beautiful, and I mean beautiful, Tucson, Arizona, a stone's throw away from the University of Arizona and in the shadow of the Grand Canyon, folks. We are back and back in the middle of greatness. All right, so before we begin the show, uh, I'm going to lay out the show in detail uh, here in a uh, moment. But before we begin, a couple of things that I needed to mention. Uh, one is from, <clears throat> excuse me, one is from last week, one is. Uh, Unfortunately, something that happened to a friend of a friend of mine. So, back to last week, I put out my Twitter handle, my email address, because I want to know, I want to know if you are in the New York, New Jersey area, I want to know that the cat that was... Uh, running across the field during the Giants-Cowboys game. I want to make sure that that is taken care of, that the cat is uh, okay, that they have found their forever home, if you will. So I'm going to give out my email address, my Twitter handle again, and we'll we'll see if we can get a further update. So the email address, all lowercase, all one word. It is uh, R Wortham. Okay, R W O R T H A M R Wortham at hotmail dot com. My Twitter handle. It's at Rusty Wortham. Okay, at Rusty, capital R, and then lowercase U-S-T-Y, capital W-O-R-T-H-A-M, at Rusty Wortham. Please give me an update, okay? I, I, I did have one response. Apparently, this this cat is one of 300 uh, in and around that area. So... Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens with uh, that group. So, if you know about this particular cat, please let me know that you found the cat, that it's okay, it's going to find a good home, because it just looks scared, it looks spooked, it was sad, oh my gosh. Yeah, so, there. that's the first piece of business from last week. Now, uh, I had a friend of mine uh, that they were mentioning that one of their friends uh, passed away from suicide recently. And look, I I, I won't go into too much uh, detail, but I will say this. If you know of someone, or or if you're, you know, if you yourself are dealing with mental health issues, it is okay to ask for help. 
uh, people like Howard Stern have come out and have said that they go to therapy and that there's such a stigma, unfortunately, about therapy, about the mental health profession because the idea is, oh, you're crazy. Oh, there's something wrong with you. What is wrong with you? And there's there's absolutely nothing wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with going to ask for help. Uh, I've been in therapy on and off my whole life. Uh, I've made no bones about the fact that I have depression, have anxiety. That's why I was away from doing podcasts for, gosh, it was at least a year, maybe two, um, because I just didn't think that I was good enough to be, you know, to be on uh, the, the, the radio. So I didn't do a podcast for a very long time, and I finally figured that, no, this is something that I need to do because it's giving me an outlet and it's giving me something positive to do with my time. So, yeah, I I went back and I started doing podcasts again. Now, whether I get one listen, ten listens, a hundred listens, doesn't matter. What matters is that I'm doing this because I want to do this and... Parenthetically, yes, I, I do want to be on the radio. I do want a actual on-air radio gig. Don't know if that'll ever, ever happen, but whatever. Point is, the point that I'm trying to make, if you have a mental health issue, if you are going through th- some some things, Please know that there are resources out there that you can talk to people. You don't have to feel ashamed. You don't have to feel alone. You know? So, for my friend, okay, without naming names, for my friend, I'm sorry for your loss. I know that there's a bunch of what ifs, you know, what if I could have said this, should I have noticed this, and, you know, there are, there are people out there that will, will second guess, but just know that, well, I don't know if y'all watch Doctor Who, but... One of the most heartbreaking, <laughs> but hopeful, uh, episodes of um, Doctor Who was the Vincent Van Gogh episode, and the idea was that Amy was trying so hard to be just to speak of hope and to change the fate of Vincent Van Gogh and say, yes, I know he, he committed suicide and, and, and he was troubled by, by his own demons, but, but by golly, 
I can, I can, I can, I can change this. I can make this, like, not happen. If I'm just happy, if I'm just this beacon of, of sunshine for the guy. And they brought Vincent to the future, or, well, the the present. And, you know, he, he looked around and saw how much joy his paintings gave people and how um, he was revered and, oh, my gosh, this guy was amazing. And then they brought him back. And apparently uh, Vincent Van Gogh uh, committed suicide. I think it was like six months after they had met him uh, in, in his timeline. And Amy was distraught, very, very much, uh, you know, distraught as anybody would be. And, and she said, oh, my gosh, we didn't make a difference. We didn't, we didn't change him. This still happened. Why did this still happen? And the doctor said, and I'm going to cry, folks. <laughs> he said, there are good piles and bad piles. And I just hope that we contributed to the good. Uh, I, I, I just, I just tell you, I just tell you, there are good times, there are bad times. But if we choose to add to people's good piles, I'm not saying things still can't happen. But we need to choose the good over the bad. I, I'm full disclosure. I've got the the sound uh, muted. I'm watching uh, some of the impeachment hearing um, going on, and I know that there's anger on both sides. I know that there's a huge division in this country. But I hope that things like my show and other things are contributing to the good in the world. So, whew, okay, so that is the opening to the show. So, excuse me, so we are going to uh, go over week 10 of the NFL. We're going to do the, if the playoffs were to happen right now, scenario with the NHL and uh, the NBA. And I've got a brand new segment. It's three stories that I have wanted to do more in long form. It's called The Long Snap. So... We are going to start that segment this week. And then in our final segment, we're doing WWE news. Big, huge news, folks. Huge. So going to tease that out. Uh, for you, it's going to be no time at all between uh, now and when you hear me next. Uh, for me, 
it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit um uh, I've gotta take care of a few things uh but um yeah, so we've got all that and so much more. Do not go anywhere. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And so, as I was saying, we're uh, going to go into the NFL portion of the show. Start off with San Francisco versus Seattle. This was a crazy game. I I couldn't believe that Seattle came back and actually beat the 49ers in San Francisco. It was pretty crazy. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo marched San Francisco up and down the field. Just, it seemed like he couldn't be stopped, even if they wanted to stop him. The San Francisco defense is legit. They bottled up the run game for Seattle. They bottled up Russell Wilson. And again, it felt like they were going to win this going away just hands down. There were a ton of fumbles. My gosh, fumbles, offense, defense, both the Seahawks and the 49ers. It was it was crazy. And the one thing that really just stood out for me was the play of Russell Wilson, especially in overtime. Did you see that third and sixteen to extend the drive in, in overtime? I mean it was insane. He was going down. He throws the pass, gets the first down, and it was just like, that's just not fair. <laughs> that is not fair. Russell Wilson is not fair. Good heavens. So, absolutely uh, crushed it in uh, in overtime. All right, moving on to Dallas versus Minnesota. That darn cat, remember what happened last week with the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. And we talked about that in the opening with the uh, black cat. But uh, (laughs) that darn cat just snake bit the Cowboys. Dak. Looks good, but Kirk Cousins looks great. I mean, Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. He really is. And I think that he will, at some point during his career, win at least one Super Bowl. I'm I'm going out on a limb saying that right now. Although it's really not going out on a limb he really is that good, is Dak Prescott. But Kirk Cousins, he looks amazing. This is the funniest line you'll ever hear just in any sporting event this year. Okay, uh, There was a point where one of the players, I believe it was for Minnesota, was going in for a touchdown. 
they ruled that it wasn't a touchdown, and and the official that made the call said his backside hit the ground. I mean, that's that's up there with giving him the business. I mean, you remember that? That is that's comedy gold. So his backside hit the ground. Okay, uh, that was that was fun. Uh, I'm just saying this just in general. For any football team, any football game, holding is the dumbest penalty ever. If you have a great return, a great gain, if, if you know, if you um have stopped somebody but then you get called for holding. I mean, that is just the dumbest penalty. Because inherently, you grab onto a person's body. You grab onto their jersey. But then you've got to let go. I mean, you've got to basically grab them and go. If you, if you hold on to it, referees are going to see a lot of shirt grabbing. And they're going to be like, Oh my gosh, that's holding. Oh my gosh. And they're going to throw that flag every time. So, if you're a football player, you got to know when to let go. So that referees don't catch you. And and you're going to get penalized for that. Uh, I've got mixed feelings about victory formations. But you've got to do it. If you're Minnesota, you had 40 seconds left. You were going to win the game. And, okay, maybe one, maybe go one uh, play. But you've got you to gotta get down for victory formation. You have to. If you're going to win the game, just... And 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 you know that there is no chance that the other team is going to win. Kneel down, okay? It's it's just just do the right thing. Kneel down. It's it's pretty simple. I'm not saying that the Vikings were classless. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, in these situations, when you know that you're going to win this game, take take a knee. Just, just do it. Uh, the other thing I was going to mention about Minnesota, I am extremely, extremely impressed by their running game. It is just outstanding this year. They have just bowled over people. And so, at 7-3, hey, <laughs> my dad, who is a lifelong Vikings fan, okay, I, I I keep saying, well, maybe this will be the year. Oh, maybe this will be the year for you. This could possibly be the year for Minnesota. They're seven and three. I mean, that is crazy. Okay, they're sneaky good. People don't really talk about Minnesota. They should be talking about Minnesota. Minnesota is a good team. Now, when they play the Forty ers when they play. Some of these other teams, especially in the playoffs, 
we'll see what happens. But for Minnesota to be 7-3 and three right now, six weeks to go in the season, yeah, I, I think... I think they could make a really good push for the Super Bowl and finally give Minnesota a Super Bowl win. That would be incredible if you are like my dad and you are a Minnesota Vikings fan. All right, so moving on. Uh, The Los Angeles Rams, Pittsburgh, Tug Early, now, I don't know if it's 9 or 10, but at the time on Sunday, it was nine straight games that he was held under 100 yards rushing. The last time that Todd Gurley ran for more than 100 yards was clear back December 2nd of last year against Detroit. Folks, ah, I hate to tell you so, but I told you so. Todd Gurley is toast. He's done. Okay. Going back to the Super Bowl last year. He was balled up in the first half. And they, you know, Sean Sean McVay said, don't worry, we're going to get him going. We're going to get him running. He's going to be impactful. Didn't happen. So, Ty Gurley, he is a great running back. I don't know if he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. And I I, I don't want to be offensive towards Todd Gurley. I'm just saying. If you've gone nine and possibly ten games without a hundred yards rushing, and maybe maybe you're not or maybe that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Maybe you know that's not the plan for Los Angeles, maybe they're more of a pass-oriented team. Fine, okay, that's fine. But Jared Goff, if you if you go even by that metric, Jared Goff looks scared. He just, he doesn't look right. This is not last year, okay? He's only been in the league for, what, three years now? This is, I believe, his third year. And he's... I mean, Jeff Fisher got ran out of the rails from Los Angeles. First year of Jared Goff's uh, career. Then you had Sean McVay last year, and just they were world beaters. They. Went through, went into the Super Bowl, and Todd Gurley and Jared Goff looked like they were going to be a great one-two punch, and they're just struggling this year. Um, now, if holding is the first, the most dumbest penalty, the second dumbest penalty in all of football is pass interference. You just be aware. I I know that you're running like 100 miles an hour. I know that, you know, sometimes it's tough to, to, to look back for the ball. But look back for the ball and make sure that you have a clean swipe at the ball. 
don't 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 try to impede the runner because you know you're going to get flagged. Uh, it's just that simple. Uh, there were six punts, a fumble, and a missed field goal for Los Angeles in the first half. It was a sloppy game. It was both offenses. It just it looked sloppy. I just it was not a great game to watch. Um, next up, Carolina versus Green Bay. Kyle Allen will be your Week One starter. Just absolutely will. Uh, he has kept Carolina in games. He's won games for Carolina. And he knows that he's going to be your week one starter. So, does that mean that Cam Newton is now the backup? Or will he be traded? I don't know. I have no information. I have no knowledge. I'm just saying, if I'm Carolina, and I'm building for the future, I would say thank you for your service, Cam. Thank you for getting us into the playoffs, getting us you know, into the national conscience of fans all across the country. But you know what? We found our new quarterback. Uh, We'll send you wherever you want to go. I don't know who would want to take uh, Cam Newton. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Miami at Indianapolis. Um, now this was the new winner for the sloppiest game of the you know day on Sunday. It just, it just, it was, yeah, it it wasn't very exciting uh, for any number of reasons. But Adam Vinatieri, Adam Vinatieri, who has. Won Super Bowls, literally won Super Bowls off of his foot. Who is one of the greatest kickers of all time? He's done. He's toast. Okay. He keeps missing these field goals and extra points that you shouldn't be missing from like 25, 35. You know, yards out. You just shouldn't be missing those, and he keeps missing them left, right. The coach for Indianapolis says that, nope, Adam Vinatieri is still going to be our kicker. I'm like, "Ah, yeah, I know you're doing it out of loyalty, and I know you're doing it because he is a Hall of Famer in the making, but Adam Vinatieri has been missing kicks that he shouldn't be missing. Um... So, yeah, I I don't know. Um, Tampa and Arizona, Kyler Murray, just, he looks tiny. I mean, I don't know how, how tall he is right off the top of my head, but Kyler Murray for Arizona just looks small out there. He looks like he's a high schooler, you know, um... But uh, Andy Lee's first completion uh, in 17 years was for uh, Andy Lee. Uh, and he's a heck of a kicker, <laughs> you know, uh, for Arizona. I mean, if you saw the 
the if you saw the the play, it was a bit of a trick play. And Andy Murray, I mean, he threw it. Gosh, maybe fifteen yards, and it was it was a nice it was a nice throw. It wasn't a bull or anything. It was it was a little bit of a little bit of a lot pass, but still, it was it was a gorgeous pass uh, that was caught. So, hey, uh, props to props to him. Uh, Chicago and Detroit. Both teams should be better than their records. It's just that simple. Matt Stafford is not the answer in Detroit. He just isn't. He uh, has kept Detroit in a lot of games, but Detroit has just never gotten into that next level because, you know, I've lived in the Detroit metro area for for some years before moving back here to Tucson and people want the Lions to do well they just do but Matt Stafford God bless him I I don't think that he's their answer um highly drafted from Georgia done some great things for Detroit. He's a tremendous, tremendous member of, of the community, done some amazing uh, social work for the community and all that. But I just don't see Matt Stafford being your your quarterback going forward into the next year, next couple of years for Detroit. Uh, but Driscoll, his backup, oh my gosh, he came in and he channeled his inner tug flute. He he launches a 52-yard uh, throw for a touchdown. It was gorgeous to watch. So there is that. All right, now next up is uh, Kansas City and Tennessee. This was the game of the day. Far and away. Because Tennessee came back, it was it was a slugfest. It was back and forth. Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes, and coming off of his knee injury. Uh, but Tennessee, they just kept coming, kept coming, and they actually uh, won the game. I was I was happy for Tennessee. I was just like okay. Yeah, you guys gutted out a, a, a victory, and you took down one of the best teams in the AFC. I, I really think that was that was incredible. This have you seen this Henry fellow for Tennessee? He's a tank. He is a tank. You just give him the ball, and he just plows through people. Yeah, I've I mean I've not never seen anything like it because I mean I have, but just. My gosh, this guy was a tank. And Tennessee won on a picture-perfect field goal block. I mean, you see the guy coming into frame and just leaps over, hits, the ball hits his arm and deflects out. It was, it was picture-perfect. You can't do it any better than than that. 
Uh, Atlanta and New Orleans. Atlanta's offense is not. And I, I put in big bold capital letters on my uh, notes for the show. It's not the problem. It's always been their defense, at least for this season. But Atlanta had six sacks against Drew Brees, which I believe doubled their sack uh, or sack output, I should say, for the entire year. So in one game, they got half their sacks for the entire year. Oh my gosh. So can Atlanta start to build up that momentum of like, okay, now we know how to win a game and we've got our defense playing okay. Yeah, let's not get crazy here because I I've I've seen this I've seen this movie before and Atlanta their their defense I could go through their defense and I'm in a freaking wheelchair. I mean, my gosh. I mean, their read their run defense if it's not dead last in the league, it's certainly bottom 5, I would think. Their pass defense is just as bad. And and they just they don't cover anybody. It's I, I can't figure out why Atlanta's offense is good with Matt Ryan and, you know, you know Julio Jones, but not their defense. Their defense is just, I mean, it's not even, an, it's not even anemic because an anemic defense is still a defense. This is just a non-defense. It's, I I feel honest to goodness sorry for anybody that has Atlanta as your defense you're going with in your fantasy football. I just I really do. I, again, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but their defense looks just horrid on a weekly basis. Uh, next game, uh, Buffalo and Cleveland. Baker Mayfield is actually really good. And Nick Chubb is a freak. I mean, he's along the lines of this Henry fella over in Tennessee. He's a tank. You give him the ball and he just rumbles down the field. It's it's just mesmerizing to watch Nick Chubb just bowl through people. Uh, there was an single line stand by Buffalo. Now, for Cleveland, and I don't know about last night's game, but for Sunday, Odell Beckham Jr.'s catch, first catch of the game, came with nine minutes to go before halftime. And he had only three receptions for 40 yards. You brought in Odell Beckham Jr. because... Well, he's Odell Beckham Jr. He made these insane one-arm, one-hand grabs for the Giants. And you thought, okay, that's the missing piece to our to our puzzle. We're going to have the deep ball be our threat now. 
He only targeted the guy three times. He only has three receptions. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is still a Hall of Famer. Still one of the greatest wideouts in the game. But he's he's kind of in the same vein of Todd Gurley. Very explosive. Has the potential of doing great things. But is he starting to slow down? And I'm not saying that to be you know mean or mean-spirited towards Odell Beckham Jr., towards the Browns or the you know the Browns fan base. I'm just saying, if you're paying him, well, you're paying him, and you're saying, okay, we want you to do what you did in New York, but he only has three receptions a game. I mean, why are you paying him that much? It just makes no sense. Now, I I know that there are other people that that can score other than Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, Nick Chubb, like I said, Baker Mayfield. But, come on. You've got three of the greatest, if I may say, weapons in the NFL... And you're telling me that you're not really even using one of those? Come on. Uh, The battle for New York slash New Jersey uh, commenced. And you've got the Giants playing the Jets. Jets actually outlasted the Giants on this one. The Jets are actually a fun team to watch in terms of their offense. They zip up and down the field. So, their offense is not the problem. (laughs) As for mentioned twice before in this show, there was no kitty this week at MetLife Stadium. So, yeah, there was no kitty. Uh, But uh, this was actually a great game. Did you see, and I can't remember exactly when, but did you see play where Daniel Jones just, he got folded up like an accordion. It was it was, it was crazy. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, are you okay? And yeah, he was, he was okay. Daniel Jones will be your rookie of the year. That's just there's no toys about that. But to me yeah, he I don't know. I mean, he he's done great in relief of Eli Manning. I don't think that the Giants would be a miss if they went back to Eli and saying, Eli, we need you for at least this next game. But that's that's just bam. Uh Baltimore and C- uh, Cincinnati. This this just got ugly really quick. Uh, the Ravens are a dangerous team. They score like a zillion points. And once again, Lamar Jackson doing Lamar Jackson things. The fact that he's going up against Sean Watson and the Houston Texans on Sunday. Folks, game of the day, maybe game of the year. That game does not suck. You gotta watch that game. Just for those two players 
because they're special players. Both of them are special players. Uh, the Chargers and uh, Oakland. Uh, Phil Rivers just looked awful during the game. Uh, with interceptions and near interceptions, he just looked bad. Uh, Oakland's field just looked like green painted concrete. I've been to the Oakland Coliseum. Some people say it's a dump. Yeah, I can I can see where they would say that. Their field, I mean, okay, they play on turf, and and turf is is you know normally very very hard, but but um you know it just kind of feels. It just kind of feels like, um, yeah, they just took some concrete and they painted it green. It it looked bad. All right, so that is your NFL uh, for this week. So, coming up next will be the uh, NBA and NHL playoffs if they were to start right now. And then the uh, third segment of the show, it's going to be, of course, the long snap. It's going to be the stories that I wanted to focus on in depth and give you the actual full stories from uh, this week in sports. And then, finally, in the fourth segment, it is WWE. So, do not go anywhere. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And as promised, we are going to do the If the Playoffs Were to Start Today segment for both the NBA and the NHL so, it's going to be a bit of a short segment, but here we go. So, if the playoffs were to start today in the NBA, your top four seeds would be the Boston Celtics. Number two seed would be the Miami Heat. Number three seed would be the Milwaukee Bucks. And your final uh, seed, number four seed, would be the Toronto Raptors. Your bottom-feeding team of the week is the Washington Wizards. They overtook the Knicks uh, for the worst record in the Eastern Conference. Now, out west, your top four seeds are the Los Angeles Lakers. The Houston Rockets are number two, the Denver Nuggets are three, and the Utah Jazz are number four, and the bottom of the pile, and this just is shocking to me, and yes, I understand Kevin Durant left the team, yes, I know that Steph Curry has a broken hand, so... We're not real sure where that you know is going, uh, but uh, the Golden State Warriors are at the bottom of the pile. They are two and ten, 
early on in the season. So that is your NBA standings. Now for the NHL standings. And let me get this really quick. So, if the playoffs were to start today in the Eastern Conference, Washington would be your number one seed. The New York Islanders would be your number two seed. Boston Bruins would be number three. And the Montreal Canadiens are four. The bottom of the pile in the Eastern Conference of the NHL is the New Jersey Devils. Can't believe that with how much success they've had over the years. But that is how it goes right now. Now, out west... Your top four teams, the defending Stanley Cup champions, the St. Louis Blues are just killing it this year uh, with uh, 12 uh, wins, three losses, four overtime, uh, four uh, four, uh, games going into overtime. Uh, so they are your number one seed, the Edmonton Oilers, number two seed, Colorado, number three, and Arizona is your four seed, and the Los Angeles Kings bringing up the rear at the bottom of the pile in the Western Conference. So that is your NHL and NBA playoffs as they stand right now. All right, coming up. Third segment of the show, it is a brand new segment, and that is the long snap, where we go in-depth into uh, more of uh, the sports stories uh, in detail. So, do not go anywhere. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Long Snap. These are stories that I found throughout uh, the World Wide Web that I wanted to share with you more in long form. Basically, read you the stories because, again, I found them either uh, interesting or entertaining. And so, if you don't mind, I've got a few of these. Let's just get going. All right. As mentioned, last night was Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Now, on its own, I wasn't really interested in watching the game. It was what happened after the game or towards the end of the game that was the big deal. So if you didn't uh, see um, Garrett for... Uh, Cleveland uh, just absolutely took down uh, Rudolph, who is the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was a routine tackle. Um, Tackled him, and then 
I don't know what happened. Words were said. Garrett, during his post-game uh, interview inside the locker room, said was was asked, "Well, did Rudolph say anything? Was he was he talking? What what was going on?" And he said, oh, "I don't want to talk about it." I'm like, "Oh, oh, okay." So apparently, this Garrett fella for Cleveland ripped off. I mean, he literally ripped off the helmet of Rudolph, and he just clocks the guy. It's not funny, but he just clocks the guy. I mean, you see it slow motion. I mean, he hits him inside the head. Rudolph kind of bends his bends his head or his, his neck went sideways. And considering that Rudolph had a very nasty, nasty helmet-to-helmet hit that led to a concussion a few weeks back, I mean, this is unacceptable. You don't just clock somebody with a helmet. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. So Garrett uh, will be suspended without pay at a minimum uh, for the regular, uh, the rest of the regular season and the postseason. So he's done. He's done for the rest of this year. Uh, the Steelers center, uh, Marquise Pouncey, received a three-game ban. Browns defensive tackle Larry Ogunjabi uh, was suspended for one game. So, I mean... It was it was pretty bad. Uh, this next story that I wanted to bring up, it's just, oh, it breaks my heart. Uh, so essentially, here's, here's the broad strokes and then I'll read the, the story. Uh, there was a player um, by the name of Jonas Gray. He was on the Patriots squad and he was actually doing well. He was one of their big uh, running backs. He was he was going places. He was doing things. And then he had a chance to uh go in and <clears throat> go to a team meeting and Apparently, he forgot to fully uh, charge his, his cell phone. So, his cell phone died in the middle of uh, the night. He woke up an hour later than what he was supposed to. I mean, he was supposed to be at the facility for the team meeting. He got cut. So, that's the broad stroke. So, uh, going over the uh, the story... Uh, if you're of a certain age, the opening strains of Tony Basil's Mickey immediately gets you clapping your hands to the rhythmic beat and singing, Oh Mickey, you're so fine. American pop music in particular is also filled with one-hit wonders. I'm Too Sexy, Ice Ice Baby, Macarena, so many others. Uh, Artists get 
one incredibly catchy and popular song, but never catch lightning in a bottle again with subsequent singles. Five years ago, this week, we saw arguably the NFL's biggest one-hit wonder. Jonas Gray starred for the Patriots on November 16, 2014. A little-known New England Patriots running back named Jonas Gray had a game that uh, aspiring NFL running backs dream of. 37 carries for 201 yards and four touchdowns against the Colts. Uh, he never has come close to matching it. Um, Gray hadn't even told 37 carries in his time for New England. He'd been active with three uh, for three other games that season with 32 touches for 131 yards. He wasn't a rookie and drafted out of Notre Dame back in 2012 after a torn ACL on his senior day game. He was initially signed by the Dolphins, spent time with the Ravens practice squad, and then signed a futures contract with the Patriots in 2014. He began the regular season that year, on practice squad, but an injury to Stephen Ridley in October led to Gray's promotion to the roster. As Patriots enjoyed their bye in Week 10, Bill Belichick and offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels prepared for their game against the Colts that next Sunday. And knowing Indianapolis runs for Arthur Jones would be out due to injury, they decided to exploit that weekend area um, New England's game plan involves six different linemen, two uh, tight ends, and a lot of Gray, a 230-pound back. It worked to perfection. Gray scored uh, in the first quarter, his first NFL touchdown. Uh, he scored again in the second quarter and the third and the fourth. Uh, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, his mom, in the stands in Indianapolis that night, uh, was uh, brought to her knees, sure that her son had finally broken through. So that's the game, okay? That's the game. I mean, you want to talk about a game of your life. 201 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, yeah, okay. Now, ESPN's Liz Merrill tracked down Gray five years later after the third turned for story posted online. Uh, no sooner had the SI issue, it was featured on landed in subscribers' uh, mailboxes, and a star had uh, as star had plummeted back down to earth. On the following Tuesday, the Pittsburgh Steelers released running back LeGarrette Blunt, who had been with New England the season before. The Patriots brought him back, giving them another big back. But Gray was not worried. And why should he be? I mean, he had 201 yards, four touchdowns the game before. I mean, my gosh. Uh, <clears throat> And continued to prepare for the 
uh, upcoming game against the Lions. The team he followed up as a kid growing up in Michigan. On that Thursday night, uh, he was up late watching a film on his iPod, or iPad, I should say, and uh, so he set his alarm to make sure it was uh, it'd be on time for the 7.30 meeting he had on that Friday. He plugged in the phone uh, into uh, the wall charger and went to bed. He didn't notice that the charger wasn't plugged in to the wall properly. The phone died overnight, and the alarm never went off. And Jonas Gray never woke up until 8.30 that next morning, an hour after the meeting had started at the team facility. Being late is pretty much the biggest sin in Bill Belichick's eyes. Ten years ago, Randy Moss, uh, Dallas Thomas, and two other players were late to a morning meeting after an overnight snowstorm. Belichick doesn't care. You, if you know this man, he is meticulous about his being on time. Uh, and he sent... Uh, those players home for the day. It snows in Massachusetts, and exp- and uh, he expects you to make the proper arrangements to make sure you do your job. Kevin Anderson, the team's football operations manager at the time, texted and went to Gray's house, but told him not to go to the facility until he called. Gray went in around 5.30 that night, uh, wanting to explain to Bill uh, to Bill Belichick what had happened. Uh, the coach was walking on a treadmill and reading notes. And Gray recalls, he said little other than, we just can't have it, repeatedly. He didn't play against the Lions. The next week in a loss to Green Bay, he had one carry. So he did play again. Okay, there, there's, there's that. He did get 11 carries against Miami in Week 15, but the damage was done. He was a healthy scratch in uh, the Super Bowl where the Patriots beat the Seahawks. Uh, Now 29 years old and father of three, Gray is clinging to hope that he'll get another chance. Patriots cut him in 2015. Uh, Preseason with the de facto GM, Nick uh, Cassiero, telling him that they were going in a different direction and didn't need any more big backs. Um, so, yeah, that's, 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 that's a lesson to the wise. You gotta have your cell phone plugged in for any job, especially... If you're an athlete, my goodness. All right. Story number two is uh, about Don Cherry. Now, if you've heard the name, but you don't really know what he's famous for, he's been a commentator up in Canada for Hockey Night in Canada 
for like ever. So he is kind of the Dick Vitale uh, type, larger than life, you know, uh, Craig Sager, you know, type personality. I mean, he's big up in Canada. He's huge. I mean, my gosh. So that's that's Don Cherry. So this is from ESPN. Don Cherry, an iconic Canadian uh, hockey commentator, has been fired by Sportsnet for his on-air remarks on um, that particular Saturday, uh, alleging that the country's immigrants don't properly honor fallen soldiers. Cherry, who is 85, used his Coach's Corner segment on Hockey Night in Canada to criticize individuals who didn't wear a poppy pen leading up to the nation's remembrance day. The pens are sold by veterans groups and worn to symbolically honor those who served. Quote, um, I live in Mississauga, Ontario, very few people wear the poppy. Downtown Ontario, forget it. Nobody nobody wears the poppy. Now, you go to the small cities. You people that come here, whatever it is, you love our country and our way of life. You love our milk and honey. At least, you can pay a couple bucks for a poppy or something like that. These guys paid for your way of life that you enjoy in Canada. These guys pay the biggest price for that, Cherry said. Dan Cherry's Coach's Corner has been a staple of Canadian hockey viewers for uh, years. Um, After immediate backlash on social media uh, that next day, the majority of the media reaction uh, on uh, Monday morning called for Cherry's removal. Uh, by the afternoon, word spread, they had been fired. Um, sports, this is another quote, sports brings people together. It unites us, not divides us, following, Cherry, uh, following further discussions with Don Cherry. After Saturday night's broadcast has been decided, it is the right thing for him to immediately step down. During the broadcast, he made divisive remarks that do not represent our values or what we stand for, Sportsnet uh, President Bart Yabsley uh, said in a statement on that Monday. Uh, quote, Don is is synonymous with hockey and has played an integral role in growing the game over the past 40 years. We'd like to thank Don for his contributions to hockey and sports broadcasting in Canada. Cherry uh, would not take back what he said. Quote, <clears throat> I know what I said, and I meant it, Cherry told the Toronto Sun after he was fired. Quote, everyone in Canada should wear a poppy to honor our fallen soldiers. He continues on to the newspaper. Quote, to keep my job, I cannot be turned into a tamed robot. End quote. He absolutely had already apologized for Cherry's comments in a statement Sunday writing that uh, Don's discriminatory comments are offensive and they do not represent our values 
or what we stand for as a network. We have spoken with Don about the severity of this issue, and he is sincerely and we and we sincerely apologize for these divisive remarks. Both the NHL and Hockey Canada distance themselves from the comments, separate uh, public statements, and it it, it goes on. So, uh, I mean, I I just I don't know. It again, if you're going to say something, if you're going to say something, you gotta know what your audience is. Yeah, you, you just have to know what your audience is. Um, and the fact that uh, Don Cherry got fired. Look, I'm a military brat myself, right? My dad, both my grandpas, I've got a great uncle. I've got people... Uh, in my family that are serving right now. I come from military stock. I know the sacrifices that are made. And I thank profusely the veterans that have served this country and served anywhere in, in, in the world. But you gotta know, you gotta know that if you single out immigrants because of whatever reason you gotta know that you're gonna get fired you just gotta know that's a thing all right and finally story number three it's colin kaepernick and uh, colin kaepernick has uh been back in the Limelight this week because tomorrow he will have a closed practice for to get back into the NFL. Uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, has been out of the league for the last three years. We know the whole kneeling thing that sparked tons of controversy. But now he wants to get back into the league. And the league, to their credit, is saying, fine, we will have people come to watch you practice. See if they want to pick you up. So, uh, that is pretty much that. So, here are the teams that have committed to attend tomorrow's practice. Arizona, Atlanta, Cleveland, Denver, Detroit, Miami, New England, New York Giants, New York Jets, Tampa, and Washington. So, with those teams, and then, um, sources also told ESPN that both Seattle and San Francisco also will go. Um, So, those are the teams that are there. So, let's just go over this very quickly. Arizona, like I said, Kyler Murray is a great quarterback. But he just looks small out on the field. I honestly fear for the guy's safety on a weekly basis. So maybe Arizona takes a shot at Colin Kaepernick. Atlanta, and you got Matt Ryan, so I don't think you really need a backup there. 
Cleveland, again, you got Baker Mayfield. He's a great quarterback. Again, it's not Baker Mayfield's problem that the Browns are just that bad. I just, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Denver, yes, you got Joe Flacco, but maybe, maybe Colin Kaepernick can come in for you. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Detroit, like I said, I, I don't think that Matt Stafford is the answer up in Detroit. There's enough of a sample size that says that he can't get you into the playoffs. He can't get you far into the playoffs. So maybe you bring in Kaepernick. Maybe. Um, Miami, you got Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Fitzpatrick is a journeyman, you know, is a journeyman player himself. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see about that. The Patriots are a heck no, and and two reasons. One, the imagery. I mean, the flag, red, white, and blue. You know, Patriots. It's up in New, you know, it's up in New England. Uh, just the imagery, and if Colin Kaepernick, bless his heart, if he if he kneels for the flag up in New England, he's going to get booed out of his shorts, his shoes, everything. So just the the optics would not look great up in New England. And two, and more importantly, it's Tom Brady's team. Tom Brady is forty two. He wants to play to forty five. He keeps jettisoning off, you know, his backups after, you know, year after year after year. Jimmy Garoppolo is the biggest example, you know, of person that came in for Tom Brady, was doing great for New England. Tom Brady was like, nope, my team, get out. And they traded Garoppolo. So, can you name, and this is a bit of a trivia question, you've got my email address, you've got my uh, Twitter handle, can you name their uh, backup quarterback up in New England? I can't. So, there's that. Uh, The Jets, the Giants. Mm, I mean, you know, Daniel Jones doing great. For what he can do, you know, uh, for the Giants, you know, Darnell for the Jets, I, you know, he he he's a good quarterback. So I don't know if if they want you know either of those teams want a chance at him. Tampa with Jameis Winston. Look, Jameis Winston is a interception machine. He throws interceptions like you can't even believe. Maybe the Bucks give Colin Kaepernick a chance down in Tampa. I don't know. Uh, and then, of course, the Washington Redskins and Colin Kaepernick has said, look, 
I don't like I don't like the team. I don't like the team imagery. I don't like the nickname. I don't like any of that. So Washington is out. So there's that. And then of course you got Seattle Russell Wilson. He's not going anywhere. And Jimmy Garoppolo. I I mean no. Colin Kaepernick. I mean they say you can't go back home again. And I don't think that the 49ers would want Colin Kaepernick back as a 49er. So, I mean, we're talking maybe half those teams, maybe half those teams, like six of those teams would say, yeah, maybe we'll have a shot at this. But, so out of 13 teams, I just, I I don't I don't see Colin Kaepernick getting back into the NFL and it's sad because he's a good quarterback. And on some level I agree with his stance about police brutality and social justice and all that. I would not personally kneel for for the national anthem. I'm in a wheelchair but it's one of those if I could stand I would stand. You know, uh, there there have been times where, you know, especially when I was younger, when the National Anthem was played, I would try to hold on to a seat, you know, in front of me, you know, and, and kind of, you know, stand up for the National Anthem, holding on for dear life, because that's how much I respect the National Anthem and respect the flag. Right, so would I kneel for the for the flag? No, I wouldn't. But I get what Colin Kaepernick is doing, you know. So, those are your three big stories in the long snap. All right, last section. We're going to come back. Uh, brief word about Survivor Series. Then we're going to talk about CM Punk, and then we're finished for the week, folks. So, come on back. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, this is very quickly. Uh, this is your WWE section. Uh, quick note, next week will be our Survivor Series slash NXT TakeOver War Games preview during the Russell Wortham show, so that will be next Friday, but uh, very quickly, hey, CM Punk is back, he's back doing WWE things, if you haven't watched WWE Backstage, please watch it, it's a fun show, it's a good show, it pulls back the curtain, it, it's it's absolutely amazing. Go watch that. Now, some people are going to say, oh my gosh, we want CM Punk to to wrestle again. That's just not going to happen for any number of reasons. But, I tell you what. And, uh, you know, I I tell you what. You got six people from me that I would like to see him wrestle. Not necessarily long programs. Just one-off matches. Brock Lesnar, John Cena, those two are in the maybe category because of their contracts and and their desire to even be in the ring. 
the four people that I absolutely want to see CM Punk go up against AJ Styles, Matt Riddle, Adam Cole, and Daniel Bryan. I just those 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 are the four. I would just I would love to see those I would just, I would just love to see those four. So those are the four Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Matt Riddle, Adam Cole. And you know, we we call it a career. Uh if you've watched the documentary The Best in the World from WWE and CM Punk, you know that CM Punk said I am learning everything I can behind the scenes to transition into a backstage role. So this is a backstage role. Okay. So yeah, I mean it, it's not as if Punk was, you know, trying to hold on for for dear life, you know, and and wrestle till he was well past his prime. Like I said, the first two people, Brock and Cena, those are off the table. But if you can give me those four that I mentioned, maybe Finn Balor. If you can't get one of those four. Call it a career. I'm done. I'm good. Will that happen? Again, any number of reasons probably won't. But that's that. All right. Well, thank you so much for this uh, extended edition of the Russell Wortham Show. Uh, Thank you for being here. You can catch me on iTunes, Spotify, Radio.com. Pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts, just search for The Russell Wortham Show. I post my show on Instagram, on Twitter, and Facebook. So if you are on those platforms or, like I said, wherever you listen to your podcasts, listen to the show. If you like the show, leave me a comment. If you don't like the show, still leave me a comment. I need to... Learn how to uh, grow and evolve with with the show. So, that is that. Uh, apologies, didn't get to this week's top 25 in college football. Promise I will get back on track next week. Also next week, uh, in the long snap, it will be Evansville's a uh, huge, huge victory over number one Kentucky this week. And so much more. So, until next week, folks, this is Russell Wortham coming to you live from beautiful Tucson, Arizona. And just like I always say, just like the Beatles sang all those many, many years ago, love is all you need. I will see you guys next week.